The following is paid commercial programming. Third-party rankings are no guarantee of future investment success. Working with a highly rated advisor does not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a high level of performance. Investment performance is not an explicit criterion because clients' investment goals differ. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client. Generally, rankings are based on information prepared and submitted by the advisor. Statements saying that we told our clients to be out of the market in 2008 refer to recommendations made by MMWKM's principals while employed at Eagle Strategies LLC. The team that manages accounts at MMWKM are the same individuals with that responsibility at Eagle Strategies and at Cambridge Research from 2009 to 2011. MMWKM was created in 2011 and uses the same exit strategy. A more thorough disclosure of the criteria used in making these rankings is available by contacting MMWKM Advisors LLC. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Money Matters. And here's your host, Ken Moray. We're in the money. We're in the money. We've got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money. We are in the, the money. money. The skies are sunny. You are through. You've done us wrong. An old man recession, you are through, you have done us wrong. Well, hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to Money Matters with Ken Morafe. And of course, I am your host, Ken Morafe. And this is the show where we talk about everything and anything in the world of retirement planning. We talk about, of course, the stock market. We talk about inflation. We talk about social security, estate planning, income tax planning. You name it, we talk about it. And we try to have more fun than a human being should be allowed to have when talking about all of this boring financial stuff. And this week's going to be no exception because we have an absolutely fantastic show lined up for you. But before we go one step further, let me introduce myself. I am Ken Morayf, the host of Money Matters with Ken Morayf. Thank you, Jack. And I am senior retirement planner and founder of Retirement Planners of America. And uh, we are a firm that specializes in retirement planning. So we work with uh, primarily with the most wonderful people in the entire universe and that's I love it <laughs> I do love it and that's people who are over 50 who are retired retiring soon and uh, you know we always say that your retirement is your second childhood without parental supervision we want you to go play have fun relax enjoy you've earned it and we want to facilitate that and if we can do that we think we've done a good thing and so that's what we do and uh, our, our uh, website address is rpoa com and if you go to our website uh, we, we podcast a show and in fact you know we now we, we just started promoting the podcast we have now thousands and thousands of people who have uh, subscribed so go subscribe to it it's a you can get it on your streaming service or you can go to our website rpoa.com uh, and uh, just in case I didn't say enough about us <laughs> Barron's recently named moi your faithful host one of the top 100 financial advisors actually they did that eight years years in a row, which is mind-blowing, but without our beloved and most valued clients, we would be nowhere. So all you clients, we love you. We thank you. Let's go over with you what we're going to talk about on this, our weekly excursion into the land of retirement planning. So first of all, as you may have noticed, over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, there's been a lot of uh, turmoil, angst. Um, there's been selling. The market has not been going the way you, we want it to. It's been going down or sideways and this and that. So I'm going to answer the question that I've been asked 
eight trillion times, <laughs> which is why is the market going down? I thought you said, Ken, everything was looking good. What's happening? So we'll go over, let's see, one, two, three, four, five different reasons why the market is going down and should you worry about them. Okay. And you know, one of the things we tell our clients is we don't want you to worry about all this boring financial stuff. We want to worry about it for you so that you don't have to. So we'll help you to not worry. Also this week, I want to talk about, uh, this is an interesting book that uh, I came across. And the title of the book is Why a Few Succeed in the Stock Market When Everyone Else Fails. It's uh, The Indomitable Investor. And uh, it's by a guy, uh, an author by the name of Sears. And uh, he has in, in his book, basically, I summarized it into nine things that uh, help a few succeed while, in his opinion, everyone else fails. And so we want to help you to succeed, so we'll go over that with you. Also this week, I want to talk, as we do every week, about how to maximize your Social Security benefits. And you guys are awesome. You send me your questions, and I endeavor to answer them on the air, so keep them coming. My email address is ken at rpoa.com. And uh, we'll, uh, so we have some questions here on how to maximize your Social Security benefits. We'll answer those, and in the process, hopefully everyone will learn something. Now, a question that's being asked a lot, I'm seeing in the media, and uh, maybe you've thought about it, and that is that, you know, historically, there's been this thing called the rule of 4%. And the rule of 4% basically says that if you have a properly diversified portfolio, and you draw 4% out each year from that portfolio, that your money should last you the rest of your life. And that's kind of the rule of 4%. Well, the question now is, does that rule still apply? And there are some studies that have looked at it and said, no, it doesn't. Now you, it's a rule of 2%. So you got to have twice as much money now with this new 2% rule versus the old 4 So is the 4% rule dead? Well, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about something even more important than that uh, when we get to that segment later on in the show. And you know what, Jack? Most shows would stop right there. Most shows would say, you know what? If we did just that, we have done more than our listening audience could possibly want from a financial show. Somebody stop me. Oh, but on this show, do we stop right there? No, we don't. We boldly go where no financial show has gone before. And therefore, at about 10 till, we will have our estate tip of the week. And that's where we talk about how to pass on to your greedy, unwashed, undeserving heirs the fruits of your labor. And this week, we're going to answer the question that, ladies and gentlemen, I know you've been laying awake at night, you've been worrying about this, you're stressed out, and you need this question answered. So I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to relieve you of that stress. You're going to have a good night's sleep. And the question you've been asking yourself, I am sure, is what is the difference between tenants in common and joint tenants with rights of survivorship? Isn't that right, Jack? That's what everybody's laying awake at night worrying about right now. Did you? Yeah, Jack says that's what happened to him last night. He, was, he woke up in the middle of the night. He's like, oh my gosh, what is the difference between tenants in common and joint tenants with rights of survivorship? Well, we're going to answer that burning question for you so you can get a good night's sleep at about 10 till. And actually, I'm joking about it, but it's important that you know the difference because if you have it done incorrectly, then it could cause some problems. So we'll have that for you at about 10 till. Now, you know, before we dive into all this stuff, I want to kind of tell you a quick story. So as you guys know, I'm a brand new grandfather and uh, my, my grandfather name is Papa. Okay, so I'm Papa. You can call me that if you'd like, Jack. Um, 
But anyway, um, my wife, the baby was born September 1st, and his name is Nathaniel. And uh, so my wife decided to go last Wednesday. She drove down uh, to go visit with, and they're in, they're in Austin, Texas. So she drove down to see them. And um, I was supposed to join for the weekend. So I had my plane ticket. I was ready to fly Friday evening after work, and I was going to spend the weekend. Well, that morning, I got a call from my wife and my daughter. It was a, a joint you know, a call. And uh, they said, uh, we're kind of thinking that maybe you shouldn't come to visit. And I was like, what? Why not? Well, because the baby doesn't do anything. You're going to be bored. What are you going to do for a whole weekend? You're going to be bored. You know, you'd be better off staying home. You can play tennis. You can work out, and you can have some fun. And I'm like, well, but I wanted to hold the baby. Well, you can do that. We're, we're going to go back in another month. You can do that later, and then the baby will be even more responsive. It'll be better. It'll be better. Your feelings aren't hurt, are you? And I was like, no, my feelings aren't hurt. Of course they would. they're not. Why would my feelings be hurt over that? So anyway, haven't seen the baby yet. I've got to see lots of videos. I've seen lots of pictures, but I haven't uh, actually held my grandson yet. So I'm looking forward to it when I get to do that. So let's talk about why is the market going down? I mean, what's up with that? The economy is healing. Unemployment is not where we'd like it to be, but it seems to be healing. All kinds of stuff bode well. The Federal Reserve is saying, you know, we're all in on the growth and getting the economy back. Everything seems to be set. But no, those people are selling. Why? Oh, I'm so scared. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. And, you know, there's this old expression that people climb a wall of worry. And believe it or not, when people are worried about stuff, that's a good thing because it means that they are investing with ration, rationally. You know, if you're scared to invest and you invest, then it means that you're thinking about what you're doing. It's when people invest without thinking, with no worry, that I get worried because then you start getting into that irrational exuberant stuff that Alan Greenspan talked about just before the uh, dot-com bubble crashed. But let me go over what people are worried about. So there's the Delta, right? The variant, the, the virus is, is causing all kinds of terrible things to happen. And so that's, that resurgence is scary. And we've talked about this. Um, if you look at the Delta variant in Asia and in Europe, what you'll see is that it has a big spike that lasts about two or three months, and then it comes down from that. So our view is that it'll happen here the same way, so we should be nearing the peak on that, and we think it'll start coming back down, and so it sh that should take care of itself, hopefully. The other thing everybody's worried about, uh, it appears, is inflation. Oh my gosh, you know, well, we've talked about that as well. Yes, we have very high inflation right now, and the problem we have is the, the gap between supply and demand, right? The demand is picked up, but the supply isn't there. That causes prices to go up. Those kind of things, our economy is built for that, and we believe that that will be taken care of. The unemployment is another thing people are worried about. People are just not going back to work. Ten million jobs are out there, and they're not getting filled. Companies can't produce products or services. What's going on? What's going to happen? We, we believe that what's going to happen is people are slowly going to start going back to work, and as that happens, then we'll see profits rise. And if that happens, we should see stock prices also go up. The other thing also is the concern about taxes. President Biden's talking about you know raising capital gains taxes and the ordinary income tax rates and this and that. So people are worried about, oh my gosh, am I going to get taxed? Is it going to be for a million people make over a million, over 400,000, or me, or what? So they're worried. And then they're worried about interest rates. Oh no, is the Fed going to raise interest rates to fight the inflation or not? and all that. Well, the Fed has said, no, we're not going to raise interest rates. Read my lips, okay? So 
All these things are causing people to climb the wall of worry. But in our view, this is all a big, giant, if you wrap it all up into a package, it's a buying opportunity. Now, having said that, one of the things that we always remind you of, and I'm going to talk more about it when we talk about the rule the, uh, in the next segment, why few succeed while many fail uh, in, in investing. The important thing is always to have a defensive strategy. Prepare yourself for the worst. Have a strategy in place that if the market turns and goes way down like it did in 2008 or Y2K or other significant bear markets, that you have a strategy to address that. And we do. We have a strategy we call invest and protect. And this strategy actually told us to sell in November of 2007 before the stock market crash of 2008. It also told us to sell last year on March 10th, which was the day before the pandemic was officially announced and the market went way down after that. We want to protect you. So go to our website, rpoa.com, and learn about our strategy, learn about our seminars on how to invest and, and uh, protect yourself, and also uh, see if you want to visit with one of our retirement planners. So Lots of stuff on our website, rpoa.com. All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to talk about why if you succeed in the stock market when everyone else fails. So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morafe. So we're going to talk now about uh, a book that came out, and it's by Stephen M. Sears. And he, he wrote a book, <coughs> pardon me, in 2012, and he calls it The Indomitable Investor, um, why a few succeed in the stock market when everyone else fails. And, uh, of course, with a title like that, I had to read it, right? And so I read the book, and uh, what I found in there is that his philosophy of why people, a few succeed and many fail, lines up exactly with our philosophy at, uh, at Ret uh, Retirement Planners of America. And so here's a big quote that he said. He said, bad investors think of ways to make money. Good investors think of ways to not lose money. And he says, those 17 words are the most important words any investor can know. Learn the meaning of those words, and you have a chance of real success in the stock market. So let me repeat those 17 words in case you didn't quite get them. Bad investors think of ways to make money. Good investors think of ways to not lose money. And that's what how our philosophy is that. And the reason why is because we work with people who are within five years of their retirement or they're already retired and losing large amounts of money. And I'm going to talk about that later on in the show as well when I talk about the, uh, the rule of 4%. But losing large amounts of money, nobody wants to do that, I would think. But especially when you're in that five years before retirement, five years of your, of your newly retired, that 10-year period, there are many studies that show that that is a very dangerous time to lose lots of money. And therefore, not losing should be what you look at as an important part of your strategic thinking. Now, he goes into, in his book, nine different things. The first one is people tend to take too much risk. They don't understand risk, number one. And then number two, they tend to take too much of it because they don't understand the risk they're taking. So one of the things that is very important is to understand how much risk is appropriate for you. And we have a uh, – uh, one of our investment principles is take only as much risk as is necessary to accomplish your financial goals. So we line up on that one. The second thing he says is people have – what uh, he says they're greedy. They have greed. Uh, and the quote is, the great crowd that comes to Wall Street to make money mostly greeds in and panics out. 
I love that term. They greed in and they panic out. And rising stock prices are seductive, and it is easy to believe they will continue to rise. Again, always have a plan to protect you when things don't go the way you want, right? So number two is greed. Number three is fear. Quote, fear causes rational people to ignore the financial facts that shape the price of stocks. People sell based on emotional reactions to the news, exacerbated by the crowd's behavior. What is the personality of the most successful investor? According to neurologist and money manager William Bernstein, they aren't affected by other people's feelings. Number four, using information and the news to validate your bias. You're scared, so what do you do? You find all the news that scares you even more. You're optimistic and you think you're going to make lots of money, so you find all the news that tells you you're going to make lots of money. Don't let the media bias you. Number five, have a protection strategy. Okay, he says volatility is a is globalization side effect. To avoid getting crushed, you must have a strategy to address that. That is exactly what we talk about on this show week after week and have done so since 1995. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so we've been talking about this for 25, 26 years. Okay, so have a protection strategy. In my view, that's a duh. Number six, not doing your homework. Investors buy because the media is selling it or because it's the hot thing at the time. Cryptocurrency is the hot thing, you know. So whatever it may be, people dive into that thinking, you know, I'm going to do that. And that's not doing your homework. You got to do your homework or have somebody do it for you. And we'd love to do that for you if we could. Number seven, misunderstanding market cycles and patterns. He views, he, he talks about in his book, patterns influence stock trading like magnets attract metal except when they don't. <laughs> and uh, they can, so you have to understand that the market goes in ups and downs. There are cycles, and so don't get overly excited about it. Number eight is irrational behavior. Remember uh, Alan Greenspan, where people were being ir irrationally exuberant? He says uh, he views the growing importance of behavioral finance theory, and he says that there's this casino culture where people, you know, and we saw that with those websites where people are going and basically gambling and betting. It's becoming like a casino. And so when that happens, you have to be rational during all that. And number nine, finally, is financial literacy or lack thereof. He says that uh, despite massive technology and financial innovations, some things will never change. There's going to be a bust, and there's going to be a boom cycle in the markets. There's going to be government regulations and all that stuff. And the important thing is to be literate about it all. And if you're not, in my opinion, what you should do is seek out somebody who is. And guess what? <laughs> now this is totally self-serving conversation i get it but guess what if you are over 50 if you are retired or retiring soon yes if you go to our website it's rpoa.com we have seminars coming up they're virtual still and uh, you can go and you can learn about social security there's a lot of changes happening with social security that are important that you need to know about and we have a seminar on that we have seminars on investing strategies to as we come out of the pandemic how to how to maximize your retirement planning we have strategies on uh, income taxes also you have the ability if you go to our website to just go straight to the source sit down with a professional have them visit with you design your retirement plan and you know what we'll do that with you at no charge or obligation and if we can help you that's fantastic and if not, that's fine too. Either way, no charge, no obligation, and we will part friends. 
think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yes, it is. And so take advantage of all the resources we have for you. We podcast, we videos, articles. Our website, again, is rpoa.com. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to maximize your Social Security benefits. So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morayfe. Um We're going to talk now about one of the topics that uh, um, we talk about with clients I would say almost every time we meet with them, which is Social Security and maximizing the benefits of Social Security, how you go about doing all of that. And uh, you guys can help me out by sending me your questions, and I'll endeavor to answer them on the air. So all you have to do is send me an email at, uh, Ken, at, mon- at, at Ken at rpoa.com. All right? If you send it there, I'll, I'll do my best. So here's my first question uh, for today, and it is, I earn $110,000 a year. Nice. Uh, my wife earned $6,000 in a part-time job. She turns 62 early next year. Will my earnings cause her Social Security benefits to be reduced, or will she be all right because her earned income is below the earnings test threshold? All right, we got two different questions there. So let me answer the first one, which is, will my earnings cause her Social Security benefits to be reduced? The answer is that as long as she is receiving benefits on her record, meaning she did not claim on yours, okay, so she's not getting a spousal benefit, she's getting her own, then the uh, your earnings will not cause her benefit to be withheld because the earnings test only looks at the earned income of the individual person. Now, there's a part two to that, which is, as you noted, her income will fall under the threshold. But keep in mind that 85% of her Social Security benefits are going to be taxed because you're a joint income tax uh, uh, filer, okay? But that's not a good reason for her to not work or to take early benefits. It's just, you know, if that's the best strategy for you. So it depends, but that those are the rules, okay? Um, do we have time? Yeah, okay. So I'm 64 and I'm taking Social Security benefits. I was notified that my Social Security is being withheld, so I suspended. Can I safely say that I can continue that suspension and build my Social Security until age 70? All right, now before your full retirement age, your benefit is in suspension because it is being withheld for the earnings test period. So you must you must be earning a high income. If it's not truly in suspension because you ha- you have to be over 66 to suspend, but the effect is the same. When you turn 66 and you are no longer subject to that earnings test, you can voluntarily suspend your benefit and earn and build that 8% annual buildup, okay? So between working and suspending, you can mitigate most of the damage that you did by filing early and earning too much for the earnings test. Okay? So you know what, ladies and gentlemen, in a way, I hope I confused you with that because I wanted to illustrate to you that Social Security is something that you need to know what you're doing when you do it. Because if you do it incorrectly, as in the case of this person, you could leave thousands and thousands of dollars on the table. And it could add up to tens, if not hundreds of thousands over your lifetime. So do it right up front, measure twice, cut once, right? So what I encourage you to do is go to our website. It's rpoa.com. And while you're there, you can uh, click on meet with an advisor. What we'll do with you, we'll sit down with you and our planner will sit down and we'll, we'll build an entire retirement plan with you, okay? And we'll incorporate Social Security for sure because it's going to be an important part, I I suspect. But we want to make sure that we know the whole picture, build a cash flow plan for you, an investment plan, a Social Security plan, an insurance plan, an income tax plan. We want to build a comprehensive plan with you. We'll do it at no charge or obligation. We want to help you. If we can do that, fantastic. And if not, we'll tell you that too. So either way, no charge, no obligation, and we will part friends. 
I don't know how to say I thank you, except I thank you. Well, Frankie, you are absolutely welcome. <laughs> now, if you don't want to talk directly with somebody, we have some seminars coming up next week. And in fact, you know, there's some concern now that Social Security is going to run out of money by 2033 or something. And so we're, we're going to address that. We have a seminar coming up, a virtual one on Social Security uh, strategies, maximizing, um, and also what the future looks like with Social Security. And all of that is available to you also on our website, rpoa.com, at no charge or obligation. All right, so go there and uh, enjoy. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the rule of 4%. Is it dead or not? So stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morafe. And this is Money Matters with Ken Morafe. I am your host, Ken Morafe. Thank you, Jack. And uh, I am Senior Retirement Planner and founder of Retirement Planners of America. <laughs> Ooh la la. And uh, we're a firm that specializes in retirement planning. So that means we work with people who are over 50, who are retired or retiring soon. So if you're within five years of retirement or you are already in the first five years of your retirement, that 10-year period, in our view, is the single most important period, financial period of your entire life. And there are many studies that have looked at uh, this thing called sequential risk. Sequential risk means when do you incur a loss? When do you incur that big risk? And what they have found is, is that if you incur a big loss, a big risk like that early in your retirement or just before you retire, that your ability to stay retired long term is significantly impaired. In fact, in many cases, it, it, you won't be able to. Um, and so our philosophy, as uh, I talked about in the second segment of this show, is uh, – and I'll read you the quote that uh, this uh, author said, which ties directly into what we think. Bad investors – Think of ways to make money. Good investors think of ways to not lose money. Okay? And he says, those 17 words are the most important words any investor can know. All right? So know those words. Now, we know those words. We have a strategy in our firm. It's called Invest and Protect. And it's a strategy that told us to sell in November of 2007 before the stock market crash of 08. It told us to sell last year on March 10th before the uh, pandemic was even announced and the market took its big fall. So we, we believe that protecting against losses is very important. And uh, that's what we do for our clients. Uh, and, and we hope that we give them peace of mind by doing so. Now, I want to devote this segment to the rule of 4% and how it ties into that. So the rule of 4% says that if you have a diversified portfolio, you know, potentially let's say a 60 stock, 40 bond portfolio, and you rebalance and you, you, know, you make sure you've got good investments in there, and uh, you draw 4% from it, that the chances are that you won't run out of money during your lifetime. And for a long, long time, the rule of 4% kind of was there. Well, with 2008 and Y2K, that rule of 4% is kind of a recipe for running out of money. <laughs> so if your investments are falling by 20, 30, 40, 50%, and you're taking 4% out on top of that, and you do that over a 10-year or a 7-year period, then you're just making it worse, and uh, you could run out of money. So now the people who studied this stuff, uh, have, there are several of them who've come out and said, no, 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 the rule of 4% is dead. It's now the rule of 2%. You, gotta, you, gotta, you can only take 2% out because you've got to compensate for the fact that you're going to lose money in these bear markets. Well, that assumption is that you're just going to lose money in the bear markets. So you're just going to take a beating, and therefore, because you're going to take that beating, you've got to have more money to be able to withstand the beating. Well, how about if we don't 
want the beating. <laughs> I don't like beatings, okay? <laughs> it's like the market says, okay, let the beatings begin. And all those people, they just say, okay, uh, sign me up. I want to be beaten. Ah, uh, money's not important when you're having a good time. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I'll leave that one where it sits. <laughs> so here's the deal. If you have, and, and you guys know that my favorite number is $1 million, okay? So $1 million is what you have. 4% of that is $40,000. So if you decide that if you drew $40,000 plus your Social Security, that that covers your cost of living, and you're taking that out, you're happy you're a happy camper. But now, let's say that your million dollars goes way down in a bear market, and it's possible, you know, in, uh, in, in Y2K, the, the S&P, uh, the stock market went down 49% in 2008, it went down 57%, and people have lost lots of money in those times. So it could happen. So let's say that your, your million dollars drops to 500000 Well, if you're still taking out the $40,000, you're now taking out 8%. So if you're a rational investor, if you're a smart person, then what you would have to do, in my opinion, would be to reduce what you're taking out from your investments, by, so it's still the 4%, from the 40000 you were taking to the 20000 Well, I don't know how many people can cut their, their cost of living in half because the market went down and suddenly they have to like cut everything out. Most people, that is not really a good option. And so that's the risk. Now, in our view, if you have a strategy to protect against the downside, if you can mitigate and make the downside less extreme, less harsh, then yet you have a much better chance of being able to play through that and, 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 uh, and, and still be able to draw that 4%. So the important thing to remember is that your investments, your retirement plan, your, your, the, the money that you've accumulated to retire on is, is the generation of income for you in, in most cases. And so because that income is dependent on the value of your accounts, protecting the value of your accounts should be an important part of your retirement plan. Does that make sense? And in, with our investment principles, we say that growth is important. We certainly want to grow money. Everybody, I think, does. But at the same time, we say protection of principle is even more important. And it goes back to what this uh, gentleman, Stephen Sears, said in his book, why a few succeed in the stock market when others, everyone else fails. It's because they forget that bad investors think of ways to make money. Good investors think of ways to not lose money. Fascinating. Yes, Mr. Spock. And I think very logical. So what do you do about it? Well, how about this? Go to our website. It's rpoa.com. And when you're there, you have lots of resources. Certainly, you can uh, subscribe to the show, which I highly recommend you do. We've now had thousands and thousands of people subscribe in the last month. It's just crazy. And uh, you can be one of them if you aren't already. And uh, it, uh, the other thing you can do on our website is you can sign up for our seminars. We have several seminars coming up. Social Security is making some changes. And with what's going on, there's some concern that Social Security may run out of money and all that. We want to talk about that with you. Uh, so we have a seminar for that. We also have uh, our seminar on retirement planning. Now that uh, you know we're coming out of the pandemic, it appears, how to diversify, what kind of risk should you take, reducing your income taxes, uh, strategies on Social Security. We have lots of stuff in our seminars that I think you'll benefit from. They're at no charge, and they're designed for those of you who are over 50, who are retired or retiring soon. Okay. Cool. Very cool. So if that's you, sign up. Uh, they're virtual currently, uh, and uh, they're at no charge. Okay, so if we can help you, we want to do that. 
rpoa.com is the website. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to answer the burning question that I know has been keeping you up at night, which is, what's the difference between tenants in common and joint tenants with rights of survivorship? Well, there's an important difference, and we'll tell you all about it, so stay tuned. This is Money Matters, and I am Ken Morayf. Uh, we talk in this segment about estate planning, which is the act of passing on to your greedy, unwashed, undeserving heirs the fruits of your labor. And uh, this week, I want to answer the question that I know, ladies and gentlemen, that you have been laying awake at night, you have been stressed, you have had anxiety attacks, because you have to have the answer to this question. And I know that, because that's what I do. I'm the host. And the question you've been asking is, what is the difference between tenants in common and joint tenants with rights of survivorship. And ladies and gentlemen, I feel your pain. I understand your anxiety, and you want to know the difference. And so I'm going to relieve you of that in just a moment when I explain that difference, because it actually, I'm joking, but it is important to know the difference, because it can, it can mean a lot. So before we do that, Jack, can you play it? I know I'd go from rags to riches. If you would only say you care And though my pocket may be empty I'd be a millionaire And of course that is Tony Bennett with Rags to Riches And you know the estate taxes and probate and all that kind of stuff It's actually designed to do the exact opposite It's designed to take you from riches to rags And we do not want that to happen to you So every week at this time we have our estate tip of the week So let's talk about tenants in common Which is uh, T-I-C for short, which is tick (laughs) And uh, joint tenants with rights of survivorship Which is JITROS All right, J-T-W-R-O-S. So we're going to talk about tick versus JITROS. So let's start with tick, all right, tenants in common. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times when you fill out the the form to open an account, uh, the default setting is tenants in common. I've seen that many, 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 many times. And the problem with tenants in common is this. So when you own an account, tenants in common, let's say with your spouse, what you're saying is, is that we own this account together. But the moment one of us dies, freeze the account and read the will before you distribute any of the money. So why would somebody have a tenants in common account? Well, if you have a Brady Bunch family, for example, and you know he has his kids, she has her kids, and they want to make sure that upon their death, their, their share of the money goes to their kids and not the other spouse's kids. Or you have some other rules that you want to put in place. So you want the will to be read first before any of the money is distributed because you've got some special rules that you want to apply. So that's a tenants in common. Now, most of our clients don't want that. Okay, They don't want the account to be frozen. If I die, I want my spouse to have access to that money immediately. No, no delay. They, you know, I want them to be able to get to that. And <laughs> yeah, show me the money. So joint tenants with right of survivorship, with the, <laughs> which is JITROS. Uh, JITROS says that if either of the tenants, okay, so you have it, a joint with your spouse, if either of you die, the surviving spouse takes over the account immediately with no delay. Okay, so 
now you like I said some people look at me and say well why would anybody not want that well because as I said if you have special circumstances that you want to be sure happen then the tenants in common forces your will to be read or the documents that you've set aside to be read before the money is distributed but in most cases JITROS is how you would want to have it now the other thing that JITROS does is in many states it also allows for what's called a step up in basis which means that upon your death, your spouse could take over the investments, subsequently sell them, and the, the tax that they will owe is based on the value at, the, uh, at your death, not your original purchase price. So it can create some tax savings as well. Anyway, uh, so that's the difference. That's your estate tip for this week, Tick versus Jitross. So now you can impress your friends at cocktail parties when you tell them the difference. And you can sleep at night now because you're not worrying about it anymore. So now, if you are over 50, if you are retired or retiring soon, then here's what I encourage you to do. Go to our website. It's rpoa.com. Uh, first thing you do is you subscribe to the show, have it podcasted to you. Uh, but then also what you can do is you can sign up for our seminars. We have, a, we have several seminars coming up, one on the changes that Social Security is happening. There's some concern that it's going to run out of money and all of that stuff. We'll talk about that in the seminar. Uh, and, and we'll talk about strategies uh, to when, how, all of that. So uh, no charge or obligation, again, for those of you over 50. Now, we also have seminars on retirement planning, just from soup to nuts. We go into uh, you know income tax planning. Uh, how you decide how much risk you should take. Do you have enough to retire on? How to calculate that number? We talk about uh, your in, uh, uh, reducing your income taxes. We talk about Social Security, when and how to take it. We have lots of great information at the seminar that I think you'll benefit from. So again, oh dear, that's too wonderful to be true. It is not, Dorothy, because it is true. Okay, just get that straight. So, <laughs> so therefore, you have all of that available to you on our website. It's rpoa.com. Well, you know what? This show's over already. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have enjoyed making it for you. We'll see you next week, same time, same channel. Bye-bye, everybody. The following is paid commercial programming. Third-party rankings are no guarantee of future investment success. Working with a highly rated advisor does not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a high level of performance. Investment performance is not an explicit criterion because clients' investments goals differ. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client. Generally, rankings are based on information prepared and submitted by the advisor. Statements saying that we told our clients to be out of the market in 2008 refer to recommendations made by NMWKM's principals while employed at Eagle Strategies LLC. The team that manages accounts at NMWKM are the same individuals with that responsibility at Eagle Strategies and at Cambridge Research from 2009 to 2011. NMWKM was created in 2011 and uses the same exit strategy. A more thorough disclosure of the criteria used in making these rankings is available by contacting NMWKM Advisors LLC. ...or exempted from registration requirements. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.